I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to a Red Alert special. It's for January and yes, we're still in January, aren't we? We've not finished all our results for the month. However, for everything we could talk about on the field, it's the off-the-field stuff that is dominating all the headlines. And quite understandably, on the back of Jurgen Klopp's announcement that he will leave Liverpool at the end of the season. So to join me, because misery loves company, as they say, as usual, I've got my two cohorts, Mark and James. Now, We'll, we'll start slow and go from there. So I'll give you a word to describe your feeling before we get into it a bit, bit more. This will be tough for Mark, especially one word, Mark. Devastated. James. Goddard. Well, nice positive start to our pod there, ladies and gents. But I think most will be sharing the exact same sentiments. And that's what we're here to talk about, everything off the field. So naturally, there's, there's nowhere else we can start but for Jurgen Klopp leaving. And we've got the January window crisis. It's amazing how we've almost forgotten about that, haven't we, as it's coming towards its end with little activity. But all those things to go through. So, Mark, I mean, I'll come to to you for this one, first of all. We were talking about half nine that morning about how we were sorting our cup final journey and how we were getting from it. And let's be honest, at half nine, we're buzzing. Then at half ten as you said, we're pretty devastated and probably feeling the same later on as 
Has it just stayed on a high level of devastation for you or is it changing hour by hour? Yeah, it is. I mean, like you said, half nine yesterday, I, I was actually, I was in a work meeting and uh, my phone rang and it was you. And I thought, oh, this must be good news. It'll be cup final related. You know, he must have something good to tell me on uh, on tickets or something. And uh, so even in the middle of the meeting, I picked the phone up. You know, I'm surrounded by people I'm supposed to be being professional in front of. And uh, it's you whispering in my ear, clops going, clops going. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't work out at first if you were being serious, you know, because it's that unbelievable. You know, it was that unexpected. I really was waiting for you to break the real news that you've sorted cup final tickets and the world is good again. But you didn't. And, you know... Basically, I had to leave the meeting to compose myself because it, it, you know, it was that serious and hurtful a thing to to hear. And you know, we're twenty four hours on now, and been really, I've been changing the emotions. It's, it's, it's the weirdest thing. You know, I was I was out playing golf this morning, and uh, a couple of times it slipped my mind. You know, you kind of manage to start thinking about something else, and every time it comes back, it feels just as bad as it did the first second I heard it. You know, it just hits again and you know, that pain in the bottom of your stomach. You don't don't really know what to do with it. I've heard people say it's like a death in the family, but it's actually for me worse than that. It's like it's like a memory of your family saying, uh, I'm, I'm still going to be alive and you're still going to know I'm out there. I'm just not going to be your family anymore. I'm just going to go off and, and live somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know one of my mates said to me last night would uh, would you rather lose the missus or lose Klopp and if you if you really dig deep on that there's plenty of other women out there isn't there <laughs> where are we going to find another Klopp I'm not so Christ for, for yeah, hopefully, hopefully she doesn't listen sense. to this yeah, it made more sense to listen to this, to be honest. But yeah, dear God. Well, honestly, it's really hard to pull together what you feel. It really is because it hurts. It really does hurt. It hurts in a way football's never hurt for me before. It hurts for me more than a cup final defeat. It hurts for me more than Gerard leaving it. I wasn't, I'm not old enough to remember Kenny leaving. And I, I think, you know, from what I'm reading from people who are, is this is the closest thing, you know, that, that we've had in, yeah. in, in what is now 30 years or. 25 years since since that happened. Um, I'm going through kind of feeling pleased that it happened in small moments, you know, like it only hurts so much because it's been so fantastic. Uh, I don't want to get into like the realms of going into tributing him now yeah. because nah. we're still like halfway through a season with everything to play for. It's yeah. more like be sore, but also look forward to the other half you know we ha we still have four competitions to go for that's so big and you know I, I hope we get on to talking about it later but like how you know how we'll deal with that as a team it's, it's got to be fascinating um yeah I mean, but I, th I think it's going to take weeks for all of us to to just gather ourselves you know to to just get used to the idea that this is actually happening you know that, that we're not going to have them because for the time being I really still I keep thinking of like, but what if, what if the the wife sort of says to him, "We're not leaving again" or something like that, you know? And and he changes his mind. But I I think we have to get used to the idea that's not going to happen this time, you know. I think this is it, and we just have to somehow learn how to deal with the with the pain of it, and that's what it is. It's painful. Yeah, I think, and, and fair play to him because he was so detailed in that the statement, the press conference, that twenty four minute video. There's 
there's no way back. And it's quite understandable why, as he says, he's run out of energy. That was his phrase. I mean, Christ, James, have you got a job? We usually come to you after we've gone to the middle-class captain of industry. We come to you for some real-world positivity, don't we? So can you lift us up in any way? Well, to the way I look at it, obviously the last 24 hours has been devastating. It's the end of a dynasty. It's the end of just that passion of the touchline and how it used to make the fans feel. And it gives the soul back to Liverpool. So even anyone that's coming in, that's a big, big task to fill. However, if we had this conversation last season and you had Henderson and you had Fabinho and he left in pre-season without buying any of these players, what, what would your reaction be? Because someone would have come in there, probably would have kept Henderson, probably would have kept Fabinho, and then we're back on a cycling again. His substitutions last season were suspect as well, if you remember that. So this season, it's been nearly picture perfect. And that's why we're mourning him so much, because we're thinking about what he's done for this football club. Also as well, is he raw, you know, we got robbed of a season of football with him because of COVID. Yeah. And that's really hard. And, you know, go down and celebrate them winning the league. We didn't get a chance to do that. I find that really hard as well. But, you know, everything's transition. It's the same as Mo Salah as well. He's going to need to move on. He's hitting 31. You know, as even though he's a peak of his powers, he's slowing down. If he gets injured, it takes him longer to recover. All these things have to be kind of put in place. So even though I'm devastated, I'm looking forward to the next transition. I really am. Um, I, I, thank you so much, Jurgen Klopp, for everything you've done. Yeah, we, we won't, as you say, we won't go into sort of tributes. It's far too early that. There's a whole season. There's four trophies still to play for. And yeah, I appreciate the sentiments, James. Yeah. But if that was one, one little question better. I would actually like to put to you two would be, do, do you think... The, the pain and what we're kind of putting ourselves through. Do you think it's because he's irreplaceable as a manager or do you think it's because he's irreplaceable as a man? Because for me, there are a lot of good managers out there, you know, and, and I think one of the things that I'm finding so hard to kind of let go is I've never experienced in sport at all, just having a guy that not only did he tick all the boxes in sporting terms, but he just felt so perfect as a man. You know, every every time he spoke up about something that wasn't football and politics, whatever it was, he just seemed to embody, you know, what Liverpool stands for, what I believe in, you know, all those sort of things. And I, ju- I just find it impossible to imagine we'll ever get someone who is both of those things simultaneously, you know, the on the pitch yeah. and off the pitch. Would you agree with that? Do you think, like, you know, is it the man? Is it the manager? What? Yeah, I, I think you're looking at you're looking at more than just a manager. You're looking at the figurehead for the club. You're looking at someone like everyone looks to. And if you're honest, not just Liverpool fans, the world of football. We're talking a statesman of football, so to speak, aren't they? Like you said, football, wider issues. People do look to Jurgen Klopp, don't they, and ask him these questions. And I think. If, if you're a bit narrow-minded, you could look and go, oh, it's because he'll, he'll get wound up and have a comment. Naturally, the actual real reason is because of the, the detail and the answer he'll give you, the understanding. There's, that, there's a genuineness and authenticity to him. So I think it's both. I also think a lot of people know the league and Liverpool 
will be duller without him a little bit, so to speak. There's gonna to have to be that acceptance. There's you look round and, and you're right, there's there's some great managers and we'll get on to who we think could come in and all that type of thing, and teams that play great attacking football and things that we went, yeah, that, that would be interesting. But they're probably not, and this isn't to diminish them in any way, but you're probably starting to think, are they going to make it in a way, feel the same way? Are you going to resonate with them in that sense? Are you going to connect with them? Are they going to unite the club, as Jurgen Klopp talked about, as in the importance of like the owners, the fans, and the manager connecting it? It just is hard to see that sort of equation almost balancing as it does yeah. at the moment. It's, it's as simple as like the, the fist bumps at the end of the game, you know, like yeah. sometimes where that feels as good as anything that happened in the game, you know, like I wait for it, I wouldn't leave the stadium till I've seen it. You know, it's coming after a big one and I can't wait for it. You know, what, other clubs just don't have that, you know, and I, I guess we won't either now going forward. It's, it is just what, such a loss in more than losing a manager. What I find fascinating, and I was looking back, and, and you think about Klopp's man management, and probably the one that he didn't get on with was Sacco. And as soon as he, he stepped out of line, he was away. Bye. But, you know, that, that's one player out of his reign that that was it. You know, you could talk about Fergie and you could talk about uh, so many different managers that have fallen out with their players. Klopp didn't. And what he done for Liverpool, i.e. that he said, give me three years and I will turn this football team around inside and out. And it's exactly what he done. So whoever is going to come in, they have to have time. It is a project. And we can't compare them to Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. That's something because it's not fair. It's the same like... You know, the only difference I can give you is Moyes against Ferguson. It's not fair. I mean, that's a that's a job that he's never, ever going to win. So whoever comes in, we have to just look at it as a blank slate. There's great foundations made, and then that's it. And, and we move on with the football, and we have this great club, Liverpool. I do, I, I do want to talk about that, because it is important to ask, James. I mean, it is football at the end of the day, and that's the, the focus. And Jurgen Klopp will want it on the pitch, won't he, and the the trophies and the squad. I mean, it's easily, I think, dismissed a little bit. But with this announcement, the way it's come out, and obviously there's going to be a media focus now, isn't it, every time. I mean, what impact do you think this will have on that squad and that set of players? Honestly, I don't think it will have an impact. And the reason being is because they're professional and they're mentality monsters and have a growth mindset. And they're told to go and do a job. And yes, in the background, you know, there's there's kind of stuff going on. And it will be in their background probably when they go home. But when they're playing for 90 minutes and they're training, they have a job to do. And that is the winners of the league and the Europa Cup and the FA Cup and the Carboy Cup. Thank you. Yeah. So they have a job to do. And I honestly don't think that it's going to have a, a, an impact because Jurgen Klopp has them saying, right, guys, even though this is the end, let's just get at it. Let's just make this a season to remember. And I think mm. it's actually going to be more of an impact on the fans than it is actually going to be on the players. So it means that at Anfield, when, when we go to Anfield, it should be red hot. It should be completely red hot because that's what that man deserves and, and just getting behind those players. Yeah, I, I, I am starting to think similar. Mark, you reckon any negative thoughts or future creeps in? 
No, I, I can't see anything negative coming from it. Any any kind of change in in impact from this is positive in my mind. I think if if you look at, I agree with James. The fans is going to be the biggest one. How how that impacts just the atmosphere at Anfield. There's no question it's going to be pretty electric going forward. I think every home game is going to be huge atmosphere. You know, huge expectation, really pulling the boys on. Um, but I also think. Th- if you imagine the, the individual relationships, um, you know, you, I saw Van Dyke already talking about kind of the impact of it and just how much he likes him. Um, and my impression, you know, we're not there every day, but my impression is that they all kind of feel that way. I think he is a, a roundly very popular man throughout the club. I think, you know, in all of my life support Liverpool pre-Klopp, it, it was always a worry that you'd lose your stars and, what can I change that? And I think that has to be in some way part of just they like him. It's just as simple as that. They like playing for him. You know, he's just a, a nice man. I mean, you see the level he lifts them to. That has to be because they want to run through walls for him. You know, it has to be the impact he's had on them individually. So I like to think that the impact on the players will be that they want to go just a little yard further for him, that they want to send him off, you know, in the way that he deserves it. And he does deserve it. Yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, it's it's the most negative situation in a way, but if I'm going to class for any positive, it's almost, it has that, do you remember like the documentary, the Chicago Bulls last dance feel? Hmm. As though this is it, like United, even as you said in, in Virgil's sort of statement in his interview today, yeah, they, they're gutted, they got that announcement, that's true. But the focus has already switched to like, we've got to make this the season, so to speak. You know, look at where we are, look at what we're doing. And if everything comes together and if all the, the stars perfectly align like Jamesy says and Anfield is electric as you expect it to be it could just be that that perfect storm so if there's going to be a positive that's what you hope it is what it sort of fuels those players and it doesn't distract at all but yeah time will tell on that and I mean Mark he's, we say we keep talking Klopp actually Schmacker's go in January Linders Matos Kravitz the, the whole sort of coaching staff are, are moving on and Jürgen talked about giving them the chance to start their managerial journey and the other steps. I mean, it's the, the easy platitude is there's never a right time to do it. But is this the best you could possibly do, do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there is a good time, a best time. I don't think there's like any good way to do this. This is news that we're never going to want at any time. I think if you do it at the end of the season, we don't get our chance to kind of mourn it. We don't get our chance to celebrate it in the way it deserves. Um, but equally, I think doing it now, maybe there is a little additional pressure. There certainly will be media pressure. You know, you're going to hear about the last game against United, the last derby. Uh, Klopp and Pep having their last face-off when he comes to Anfield. Um, all these different things. It's definitely going to add an element to to all of that. Um, but, I mean, you have to look at it on the kind of human level as well. I mean, he probably knows that these guys, I mean, certainly most of his close um, coaching staff were, were always kind of going to go. I think Schmacker was bound to as well. He was kind of a Klopp ally, wasn't he? He was really brought in because of Klopp. Um, so he has to think about that, you know, and these guys will have children's in, in school and, they, you know, they'll have lots of real life things to, to think about and change. And, um, yeah. you know, Liverpool isn't the city necessarily they pick to live in for any reason other than Liverpool Football Club. And 
the, the chances are they're going to want to reevaluate things. So they're going to have to look at their next career move. There, there's a lot of that to think. And also he's got Liverpool to think about. I, I genuinely believe, you know, Klopp wants the best for Liverpool going forward and telling them in May, I mean, you, you know, what kind of position would that put us in? How how would they ever future plan in May for a season? You know, you'd want to be bringing in your transfers at that stage, you know, not, not thinking about new director of football, new manager. So, you know, it's the best of a terrible situation, basically, for me. I mean, you, you, when when would you have wanted it at the start of the season? I guess he didn't know then. So, how you know, he had from November till now to decide the best time. And, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any good time. Maybe this is, yeah, the best of the best of lots of bad options. Yeah, maybe. I mean... It does feel like it. It might just be that Jamesy that the the band aids ripped off. But I suppose is it is it got to be now if ever? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just one of those things. I think coming back from the break, everyone's kind of right. We're ready to do this and kind of just to, to let it out. It's probably better than when we're completely in the swing of things. I.e., semi finals. We're getting to the Premier League and we're getting to that yeah. kind of last game. Telling now is good because we're just about to ramp up for really the intense games. You know, it's going into that period of the season where it's going to get a lot harder. So I think now is a good time before we kick on. Yeah, probably, probably right. And I mean, because we've got to talk about FSG because Christ, what a job they've got to do now. I mean, let's just be clear. FSG have got to do the impossible and replace Jurgen Klopp. But not only have they got to do the impossible and replace place Jurgen Klopp they've got to get a new sporting director and you'd think a proper sporting director in by nature and reassess the model probably reassess the almost the power structure because we know at the moment gents Jurgen Klopp has almost been all encompassing this season hasn't he that he picked the target Schmacker did the negotiating the haggling if you want to call it that in crude terms and obviously there's no there's almost set structure with him going, so there's the questions, will they revert to that traditional model, if you want to call it that, like they had under Edwards, all, all these types of things. Jamesy, this is probably an impossible question. How do FSG, do you think, go about all this? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi, everyone. This month, the channel is supporting a local charity based in Edinburgh called Steps to Hope. Steps to Hope helps support people who are experiencing homelessness and addiction. The founder of the charity, Richard Roncero, is currently doing a Sleep Rough campaign where he is sleeping rough on the streets in eight different cities for eight weeks. Please like, share and follow the Facebook page and if you can, donate. Thank you. Okay, so sporting director, not so much. Billy Hogan, very much analytics, is going to need to sit down and really talk with his team. When it comes to a manager... Okay, I thought about this and I'm like, right, who really fits the bill for Liverpool? And I came up with three. And we came up with Alonso, Deserber, and Ruben Amorim, right? 
Alonso, every single box is ticked. And and I even sat and tried to be devil's advocate, okay? So let me give you a couple of things. So when he started in Leverkusen, a big thing that we're all about is possession. It was 52%, okay? His second season was 53%. So it took him from bottom half up to sixth position, right? Now, his percentage is up to 61%, and they haven't been beaten at all. Also as well, and you're like, oh, well, it's only one season. He had three seasons in Real Sociedad base. That's three times mm. more than Guardiola. So is he ready for the jump? I think he is. So when it comes to the manager aspect, I think it's going to be very much about the possession and the kind of type of we play. Alonso plays a bit different football than us, but he plays possession football and he plays very... Up, he likes high. He likes to high impress the two wingers as well. Looks like a Trent and um, Robertson as well. So you can see, and we were linked to. Is it Frim, Frimpong? Is that the right back? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were linked with him as well. So that side of a sporting director to put up my hands, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know who's in the frame. I don't know who's gonna. You know, the Schmackman was just such a. It was such a surprise that happened, and now we're just kind of right. How are FCFG going to manage that? But you know what? I think Billy Hogan's a right guy for the job. He's brilliant. He's very composed. He's really good at everything that he does. So good luck to him. <laughs> yeah, he's the, he he and Mike Gordon FSG. They they've got to get it right, haven't they? Simple as yeah. that. I mean, Mark Jamesy. I mean, Jamesy made a point about the the managers, the the candidates, the head coaches. We should probably call them as well. Do you think in terms of the whole model as well, do you think that will, I mean, because you, you, you can't just replace Jurgen Klopp, you can't parachute a Jurgen Klopp in. So how do you see the model if it does change at all? Yeah, it, it reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie Moneyball, it reminds me of the scene where uh, Billy Bean's sitting talking about replacing Damon. And, uh, you know, I'm not a baseball guy, I don't know how good Damon was, but these scouts keep throwing names at him. What about this guy? <laughs> yeah. this guy? He keeps saying, you can't do it. We can't do it. He can't be replaced. You basically have to replace the aggregate. You know, you have to like yeah. come up with the same numbers. And it's the same sort of, I mean, it really is the same sort of situation for us here. You can't replace a Jurgen Klopp. There is nobody. If there was, United would have been after him all these years, you know, or somebody else. I mean, there just isn't an obvious Jurgen Klopp replacement for all the reasons we talked about earlier. So I, I do think it's now about like how do we how do we remodel the club kind of top to bottom to get the same result as Jurgen Klopp got, but without Jurgen Klopp. And I think that's gonna have to swing back the way of an Edwards where where we really get the transfers right, where we have the, the right playing staff and simply a, a coach, if you will, who can who can tactically, you know, train them and send them out there in the right sort of manner, but isn't all powerful the way the way we've kind of seen it with Klopp over the last few years. I mean, Klopp actually came in that way, but was just so good, you know, that he by his very nature kind of clawed more power with every passing year. Yeah. Until the likes of Edwards basically couldn't stomach it anymore because th- they were almost being like looked over. Their their undoubted brilliance was being kind of bypassed because Klopp was just too too powerful to to deny. If he wanted something, that was kind of the way it was. It was going to have to go. So I think we're going to have to move back into the mold of having a, a you know a, a sporting director 
and an analytics team that are the the kind of primary function of the of the football department rather than a manager mm. that that can drag us through with just sheer charisma at times you know with sheer man management ability um so i mean who, who's it going to be it's i honestly don't know there's there's so many names being flying around michael edwards would be my first name by the way if he was worried about you know not having any power well offer him it all give him you know give him the keys and and let's see let's see where that takes us and you know all these coaches that are on our list like we're, like james mentioned your alonzos and uh, all the all these sort of guys uh, desebri and all these i think those guys are kind of inexperienced enough and would be excited enough by the Liverpool project that they're going to take th- that kind of setup. You know, they're going to accept that with with an Edwards or whoever it may be in control. They aren't. You know, it's not like asking an Ancelotti or a Mourinho to come in and and do that. Who who are so yeah. long in the in the game that they're just not going to accept a a setup where they don't have any power. I think these new modern coaches, luckily a lot of the names that are in the hat, I think they'll be keen. I think they'll they'll accept that new Liverpool model, which is good. It's exciting, I guess, you know, that we can rebuild it in that manner. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually think the sporting director is, is going to be more important than the manager. I, I think even if you imagine it kind of over a long project now, if you think... Um, if you imagine coaches as dispensable going forward, almost, you know, the, the continuity of a guy who is buying players for the long term, for the future, not not a manager who's worried that if he doesn't get a star in now and the results don't improve now, that he'll lose his job. Because sometimes you get that, you know, and you stop thinking about the grander picture, the, the importance of the club as a whole. You start thinking about me, my job. How important is this for me? We need a sporting director in there that's looking at least six or seven years down the line, you know, getting guys that are 23 years old and thinking now till 30, you know, that or resale at 28, whatever it may be, how best we can shape this. Um, so, yeah, for me, that's the big one. We need to get the sporting director first and foremost with the with the right guy. Yeah, I, I am steering that way. I've got to be honest. I think. FSG and and we've seen all the stories. There's quite a few in the Athletic, isn't there? That very much they they've had the presentation from the analytics guy Spearman and his team around who would sue. I think the first thing they they've got to do is decide what the model is. As in, what's the power of the sporting director, the head coach? What's their remit? Who will pick? Tra- will it be you know the Fable tra- transfer committee? Like, yeah. will this head coach have a say into it? That type of thing. Because before you can start appointing. I almost think, like, how are you going to approach these people? Because they're going to ask, will I have power on transfers? Will I have, you know, you've got to be able to answer that and be clear before you start, you know, because if you bring them in and they don't, you've not decided that, that's when you get messes, isn't it? And you get Brendan Rodgers trying to play Bobby Firmino at right wing back and stuff like Mm. that. And it's just an absolute mess. So I agree. FSG set that, Gordon, Henry, like, decide it all. Then I honestly believe that as well get your sporting director right. I mean, listen, People, some people love him, some people think he's a spreadsheet geek and all this. I think someone like Michael Edwards, I don't think they will because he's probably moved on. He's been maybe bitten by the Klopp episode, as you say. He's got his own company now, consultancy. But someone in that ilk who understands what we're trying to do, their role, their remit, everything like that, go from there. And then that's what I would do, exactly you. Head coach, and, and they'll have to look at, again, we mentioned a few names, as you did, Jamesy. 
whose style fits what they're trying to do, who will, and, and it is a key word, I think, accept the structure and how they're trying to work. He's not going to agitate, understands what FSG are trying to achieve. And then you can do it year by year because let's be honest, that's kind of what Jurgen Klopp came into. And fair enough, and I know sort of quite a lot of people at Anfield Index don't agree, but you can argue that Jurgen Klopp achieved more power by what he achieved on the pitch, can't he? And it was understandable, but you're not going to bring someone in who's going to be allowed to get an endo through the door straight away, are you? You know, a 30-year-old yeah. defensive midfielder. Like that, that's just not going to happen. I'm sure they'll understand that. So yeah. they've got to get it all right and be like crystal clear. And also, if the process doesn't go perfectly, as you said, James E, they're going to have to have a bit of patience a little bit as well. Because, you know, you've settled on a model. It can't just be like, it doesn't go perfect, so we'll just dispose of it straight away. Or what was the point in going through all those analytics and that style? I don't don't think they will, but yeah, it will be interesting to see. There's, there's the names around the managers. There's a lot of people saying, bring back Michael Edwards, probably both of us, Mark, but there ain't really a lot of sporting director names kicking around, so it will be interesting to see how that one goes. I mean, James, you threw a lot of names there. Alonso, Mark, Amarim, the sporting guy, you know, would have doubled there. Got light, I think, because he's got a very physical style, a bit different from the standard Portuguese. Alonso may be seen as a bit more tiki-taka, as James mentioned, with those possession stats. And Desebri, obviously, people like calling Desebri ball, don't they, at Brighton, but maybe a different system. I know you said it's sporting directors the first thing. Have you got a head coach manager you're leaning towards at all or stands out? Yeah, it's, it's difficult because I do think like the have to walk before you can run with this one and that's the sporting director first. And it's like you said, where does this style fit in? You know, you can't bring in one sporting director who has X vision and then have already picked a coach who has Y vision, you know. It has to it has to line up. Um, but if we're kind of ignoring the sporting director right now because, you know, we just don't know and just look at managers alone. Um, I agree Alonso would probably be my pick. I'm not totally happy with it. You know, I don't think he has the... The, the, just the background yet to to come in and claim a job like Liverpool's. I mean, he has done well. I liked what James said about the stats there. And, you know, up to 60%. That's very impressive. But it still is only a small... Uh, small period of genuine success um, to be getting a job, you know, that's one of the top jobs in world football. The bit I do like about him, which I think is kind of underrated, is that I think the fans would stick with Alonso a little longer than they would stick with other people. And that's going to be really important. We've already talked about patience. Alonso is one of the most loved, you know, I'm 35 years old. He's one of the players that was most universally loved that has played for Liverpool in all of that time. Uh, certainly pre-Klopp, outside of a homegrown player. I mean, who was more loved than Alonso? He was across the board. So I do think the fans would stick with Alonso if it gets a little tricky. And, you know, you have to imagine it will get a little tricky here and there in those first couple of years after Klopp. Um, so I like him for that reason. I like Desembri as well. I think he's done very well at Brighton. Um, I'm not sure he's got the the charisma that's required for a role like Liverpool. I mean, maybe that's a little unfair on him, but I just, I, the comparisons are going to happen whether you think they should or they shouldn't. And Klopp is just so charismatic that I think taking that swing, I don't know if that'll be the right move for us. I actually think um, 
I like Ange uh, uh, Spurs as a personality. I think he he fits the bill kind of in a Klopp like mold. Um, I, you know, I don't think he he would do it because he's just gone to Spurs and. I also am completely convinced of of what I've seen at Spurs in you know in the football department. They look very open and stuff. He hasn't had a great chance yet to put his thing together, but I think there's bits about him that I could see him being a Liverpool manager. Uh, and then the other one for me in the Premier League that really stands out is actually you that kind of put me onto this, Dave. And the more I've thought about it, the more I like it. Is Emery um, has really good kind of European pedigree. He's done an undeniably phenomenal job at Villa. I mean, he really has. Gerard had them heading towards the relegation zone. And I mean, look at them now. They've, they're right up there with us, you know, in a season that Klopp is calling so good he can leave kind of thing, you know, and that's that's the level they're playing on with a way inferior squad to everyone around them, unde- undeniably. Uh, so, I mean, they would probably be the names for me. I like what the guys do at Sporting, um, but you know, if I'm honest, I haven't watched it close enough that I would, I would be calling him the 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 one. You know, I've watched Alonso a lot closer than I've watched him. Uh, I'd be more comfy calling Alonso the one. Um, I think the 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 truth of the matter is there isn't a Jurgen Klopp out there, and all these guys feel significantly inferior. So it's it's like we talked about. It's going to have to be a an aggregate win, not a like for like. Yeah, it, it's such it's such a hard one, Jamesy, because every time we see it, we argue, and we argue the positives and we talk about, I think Mark summed it well, the personality element of an Ange or Henry's Umri's experience or Amarim or he's... It's just, we always just keep coming back to it. It feels terrible to almost diminish any future Liverpool manager, but they're not Jurgen Klopp. But I know you're big on Alonso, and, but... There is, and again, I don't almost want to do this, but you should be chatting about these things. People talking about, is it a quite tiki-taka style, which isn't in line with us? So if it is Alonso, and people will argue about the experience, the lack of experience, sorry, the help you might need around him, you seem pretty set on that. What adjustments are you thinking we might need to make for Xavi to come in? Well, obviously a backroom staff, experienced backroom staff. Um, you know, I've looked at this both ways. Number one, obviously, is experience. This is the second um, season in the Bundesliga. The challenge you have with that is it's German league. It's not great football, right? I think they're the third or the fourth best in the league. It's not the Premier League. There's a massive jump up. The only thing about Alonso is that if he comes to Liverpool, it has to be a project. It's nearly like, it's nearly like, right, this is the start of a brand new, you just can't compare anything to Jurgen Klopp. It's not fair. And if we do, then then this is when Alonso is going to have a, a problem. Okay, He knows what it's like to play for Liverpool. He knows that passion. So he's definitely got that as a big tick for me. Okay. Again, is he going to go? Because he's contracted to 2006. If he wins the German League, will he maybe just stay and think like maybe, you know, well, I want a couple more years in this successful and I want to kind of push on. But I honestly can't see past Alonso. The more I think about it, the more I think that Liverpool will will get Alonso. But I guess, going back to your first question about the sport and directing, I think that as soon as we see the sporting director, we'll have an idea who the next Liverpool manager is going to be. James, would you not have any worries that if we get Alonso, that Real Madrid will come knocking for him? I mean, just think of him as a player. That's that's exactly uh, exactly how we ended last time. 
Hey, look, we're always going to, with you know, it, it, what we're doing is we're we're more or less saying right. There's a ge- there's a gem here. Like he's not, he is untested managerial, yeah. So he is. So there's a gem here that he could come in and he could transform transform Liverpool and actually be more successful than Jurgen Klopp. Because there's a chance of that to happen, but it's a risk. And if they're going to take that risk, it's very much saying, are you prepared to take that risk? Are you ready to go on that three-year journey where the first two years might be absolutely, you know, it's not great, but you can always see improvements. And that's what you're always going to have. Even if a Mourinho or an Ancelotti come in to Liverpool, you know, they might have great, they might have great football and we're winning trophies, but we're not really behind them because they're, they're taking the soul out of our club, which can happen as well. Liverpool's a very, like, it's a, it's a different beast. And that's why Gerard was so much like, right, well, we're going to get Gerard in after Klopp. But it wasn't Gerard that was making all the decisions. It was Ian Bale at Rangers. And he was the one, he was a cheerleader. And then he got well, fired out when he went to Aston Villa. Maybe a mix-up there, because I don't know if Michael Beale played a famous oh, character in EastEnders, but yeah. Thanks, man. Oh, goodness. Michael Beale, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, so- it. To be honest, looking at the comments from Sunderland fans at the moment, they probably wish Ian Beale was in charge, to be honest. But yeah, there you <laughs> go. I mean, gents, yeah, there's so much we we can talk about, but we're in the same boat as everyone else, aren't we? We're just going to have to watch and see how this unfolds. And I mean, this is crazy, Jamesy, to ask you about this. this is, it almost gets forgotten in the last few days. There's still a, a little bit left of this January transfer window. Everyone seems to have forgotten where we are. And like we said, we talked about the season. I mean, it seems pretty set now, barring an absolute astonishment beyond belief, that Liverpool are not going to bring in any senior players. It looks like it's going to be a lot of loans out, as we've seen for the, the youngsters, that type of thing. But zero senior stars are set to arrive. And that does almost get, not dismissed, but forgotten in the, the last 24 hours or so. Is there any bit of you changing or thinking a bit differently from when we last talked in December around, because it is the end for Klopp, why aren't we doing something to make sure it happens? Does that come in? Or are you like, what are you talking about, Dave? Look where we are. That's like, where are you sitting on this? I'm pretty confident um, on just just not having anyone through the doors. I think it's a pretty settled squad. I think we've got a, a couple of youngsters there that are starting to really sort of come up and we don't want to stump their growth. If we had brought a right back in with Bradley, Kwanzaa, centre-back, you know, you can see him being future England, uh, English centre-back, 100%. Um, and, and then you, you even have um, the two, these two are just, they're just very special. And I think that's what we were lacking as a right back and a centre back. Defensive midfielder, Endo, he comes back. Again, it's just like, it's more reinforcements. So I'm going to say, I don't think we need anyone in, in the transfer window. Unless there was something that came up, which was very, very, like opportunity. There's an opportunity at the very end of the transfer. But other than that, no. I don't think yeah, so. I think that, the chance that that seemed very remote at this stage, to be honest. Mark, same or anything different? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always pro signings, always have been. I'm one of those poor soul fans that enjoys transfer windows, you know, as much as anything with supporting the club. Um, and while I do think we're in a great spot, you know, we're not in need of anyone. Need's kind of not the word, but I mean, you know, could we sign anyone? Could we improve? Yeah, of course we could. 
I mean, I, you know, I still think McAllister was signed to play on the left side. I don't think he was signed to be the DM. You know, the fact we went for Caicedo kind of proves that. Um, and then brought an endo behind that. Um, and, you know, if you're future planning more, even more than we already have, I still think the forward line is just not quite right. Just, I know there's lots of quality in there, but I still think like Diaz isn't quite on the level. Gakpo is almost there. Nunes is mostly there, but still not always. Um, you know, if there was the opportunity to bring in a star on that left side, uh, to kind of future-proof us against the loss of Salah going forward, that kind of thing, you know, to replace the numbers that we're going to lose, I would definitely be open to that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, those, those two positions, I guess, particularly defensive midfield, if there was a, a genuine, like, 22-year-old future Liverpool star for defensive midfield, I'd be way open to that because if you if you get Jones and McAllister sharing that left side, I think that's as healthy as you can possibly be. Saboz lie on the right, you've got Gravenberch, still Thiago, maybe Trent looks there, you know, in future. The midfield would be in such a healthy place. Age-wise, the forward line in the defence is pretty good, but we're, we're still got to be thinking about Van Dijk going, you know, so I, again, if there was another really big centre-back prospect out there, I wouldn't be against that either. Um, if there was a young goalie out there, you know, that was a huge prospect, I wouldn't be against that either because I don't think Kelleher's, you know, the long-term answer and Allison is also getting on. So I think there's plenty you could do, you know, in, in an ideal world. Yeah. We don't need anything, but, you know, I'm, I'm always pro the next thing. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. It's, I, I'm, 
I swither. I'm a massive hypocrite. Before anyone's like shouting out, like, hold on, Dave, you big handsome bastard, you host a transfer show and all those types of things. <laughs> like, yeah. I can assure you, nobody's saying that. There's nobody saying <laughs> you big handsome bastard. <laughs> Well, you know, maybe something else, but not that. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll we'll call them the silent majority. But um, yeah, in that in that regard, I I, I get it. I, I get that. I think you phrased it well. It's not that we need anyone. To be honest, part of it is maybe history and almost PTSD style has just bitten us because we've all just got this vision of maybe like missing out on it, you know, by like a point mm-hmm. or something like that, the big one from history, and then. You shouldn't do it in revisionism and high sights 2020, all that pish. But then you'll be like, should we? Should we have just done that? It's just, it's a fear. It's a little bit of a worry now. And it's almost emotions are heightened in the current situation with what's happening. And that's just going through a little bit of my mind. Like, this is his, like, this is his last bit. Give him a fucking going away present at the end of the window. Like, ask him what he'd really like and buy it. Don't give him a gold clock or a watch. Like, get him the number six or, like, the sand. Also, it's it, it's proven before, like, it doesn't hurt. All right, you might want to do it in summer, but if you can get them now, like, if you've got the seller cover, the understudy, I don't want to say replacement because people will put pounds on that, but in a, little things like that, it wouldn't hurt. But again, as you say, it could be argued that, do we need it? I don't see it as need it. It could be argued at being greedy, but at the same time, do you not like go strengthen from a position at the top? That's what you're supposed to do. That's what, you know, everyone tells you in that regard, which for all the people who are still listening at this point and haven't just like ended it after all our like clock talk, hypocritical, Politicians' answers, yes, we accept all those. Yeah, I, I would throw you back well. to the signing of Diaz and the other quadruple signing, though. I thought that really kicked us up a gear. You know, yeah, I thought just exactly. added a dimension. But we needed yeah, that, it, though. That was something that we needed. Money was playing. Well, he's mediocre. Like, it wasn't great. I think if you looked at Manny's numbers, they wouldn't be much different than the ones I listed. Your Gakpos, your Nunezes, and your Diazes. I, I think Manny would find himself easily on par with them. Yeah, it's it is. Listen, it, it's a tough one. We could argue this all day because technically there's no right or wrong, isn't there? It's against need, wants, but I want trophies, so we'll have to see how this bears out. <laughs> and I want to go back to those two kids that Jamesy talked about, Mark. Because I mean, let's just be clear: people are thinking they will be shouting at home if they're still listeners. In like, hold on, what about these two kids? And please, we're not diminishing these in any single way. Them two kids. Quantas obviously had more time, Bradley coming later, but from what we've seen, let's not underpin it, they have been sensational, like absolutely sensational. And Klopp even talked about it in his last conference, the one that didn't send us all like spiralling type of thing around how he forced that January rethink. Going a bit further afield though, and this will in a way be someone else's problem, won't it, from sort of summer onwards, do you think those two have forced a summer rethink because you know Matip's going to go probably to all those types of things do you think they have changed how we see it longer term as well yeah I think Kwanzaa's actually like in some ways it complicates it right because as good as he's been and he really has been I mean more so than Bradley Kwanzaa has looked every bit the part every single time with quite a lot of game time now you know it can't be seen as like flash in the pan or 
you know, the way like when Phillips first appeared, there was a wee bit of, is he actually quite good? You know, and then eventually you kind of start to realise, no, not that good, right? Bronson is actually really, really good. You know, the potential's off the off the charts. And like you say, Matip's going and maybe it just looks like a really simple one for one there. But, I, you, you know, you, then you leave yourself with the potential of being short of kind of experience and things in the back line. Um, you know, Joe Gomez, as we've seen, can get used quite a lot in other areas, left or right back. So maybe you end up with only the three centre-backs. Now, one of them in Kanate is very injury-prone. So... I, I would. I wouldn't like to think that it would stop them looking at a centre back. I still think in the summer, if Matip goes, that as a position we need to fill. I really do believe that. Um, we've seen really, really firsthand what what happens when you, when you run out of centre backs for for even for we were remember we were top when that happened at halfway through the season. Yeah. It can absolutely cripple you. It really can. You cannot get through a half season or any amount of time without your centre back. So that can't be allowed to happen again. Uh, so while I do think he's changed the thinking and that he's definitely an option going forward. He's definitely staked his claim. He's going nowhere. He'll be in our squad next season, no doubt. I still think we need a player there. Now, right back's actually a little different because there's only one position there, right? So Bradley maybe comes in as a direct uh, substitute replacement for Trent. Um, And we do actually have a few other guys like Ramsey in there and Gomez, like we said, is actually a really, really viable option in in that position. So I think Bradley actually maybe does change the thinking there because I think we we all would have said at the start of the season – uh, a new right back is needed behind Trent. Even to keep Trent honest, you know, like th- there's been yeah. plenty of uh, plenty of accusations against Trent about kind of where his head's at rather than his ability. You know that he's not really throwing himself into these tackles the way he used to, or tracking quite as hard as we'd expect of him. Um, so just to keep him a little honest back there, I actually think Joe Gomez is, is done, will have done that a little bit. You know, Robertson and Trent will have to be looking over their shoulder at Gomez in, in the way he's played. Uh, as far as changing the thinking's going. You know, I think he falls into that category as well. Um, So, yeah, to to kind of summarise that, I do think both of them have changed the thinking, but I still think a centre-back's needed where I think maybe there's an argument now that a right-back isn't. Yeah, there is that case. I mean, Jamesy, I know you're not as big into the buzz of transfers. You like to nurture and develop things, aren't you, a bit more. Have they changed your thinking at all? Yeah, I still think we need a centre back. I, 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 I honestly do. I think that obviously Matip goes and we lose that kind of experience, and we need a little bit more of experience back. You know, it's a massive loss um, in the squad. Kwanzaa still, it, yes, he's still developing as a player. He's still very young, so I think we definitely do need a centre back. When it comes to a right back, again, I would agree with Mark, and um, just that Bradley stays. It's just the and we also have Gomez as well. So I think that we're stuck there unless something happens in pre-season he has a bad pre-season and then obviously they have to think about it again rethink or he gets injured yeah do you know what we don't even mention this but then comes the curveball which we're not talking about because we're all talking about in terms of the current structure and how we go as a few people have mentioned sort of on Twitter and I won't pretend that I, again I've watched Amarim in sport and inside out but I've watched a bit of Alonso as you said Mark Leverkusen traditionally play with a back three, you know, like a three-five-two or five-three, however you want to see it. And not all the time for people jump on that for the Bundesliga experts. 
Amarim again at Sporting has alternated between the two. People look at talk about their backline with Diamande, Inacio. They have flirted between a three and a four at the back. So that probably comes into the mix as well. Because if those new managers or new head coaches in the structure, whatever, want to change to a back three, Christ, we look bloody short on centre backs all of a sudden type of things, don't we? As well. Whereas if it's a a four, maybe that it's really hard to see. And again, then. If they go to a three, you think, especially Alonso likes wing-backs, doesn't he? Pushes them on. I think it's Grimaldo's the one on the left, Frimpong on the right. Almost back to, do you remember the Robbo-Trent heyday of the wingmen type of thing, doesn't it? So does that change the thinking? Can they still do it in that regard? So it's just that whole unknown element still to come that we're talking almost in terms of clock now and what we see, but you just don't know like how that's going to unfold. And I, and I do want to sort of finish on existing players, Jamesy, because probably the, as well as Jürgen going, there's that lingering, maybe fear is too strong, but just worry at the moment. What about them big players who've got the deals running down? Salah into the last few years, Trent into the last few years, Virgil into the last year, you know, so to speak. Do you think this affects them? Or are you sticking with, no, they're professionals, this is how they look at it, or does this bring their future into the, the front mirror? I still think it's professionals. I think before the end of the season, you're going to have Trent will sign a new contract. And I think that Van Dijk will probably sign a new contract as well. Sal is a little bit up in the air. I don't know about you guys, that's how I feel. It's a little bit up in the air. Is he going to renew or not? He's 31. He could go to Saudi Arabia, have a, have a fantastic career. And we have to start thinking about the future as well. Or, as you're saying, an understudy that's going to come in. So I think that Sal is the one that, that's going to be the discussion. Because that is a massive decision for the new manager to make. Probably going to be one of the biggest... I do think he's 32. I don't know if he's 32 going on 33. But yeah, it's like you're right. He's, he's not in his pomp. That's not to diminish that, but we've talked about that before. Mark, do you? I mean, I hope James is right. Let's be clear that they just they get signed. That gives us a right lift. Do you think it's that clear cut? No, I don't think it is clear cut. I think it, you're going to have to, you know, the, every individual guy is going to have to assess his situation. They're all different. They all find themselves at kind of different stages. I mean, we obviously just had the Salah situation in the summer gone by. Um, I, I still think it's about 50-50, even if Klopp stays, whether, whether we keep Salah or we lose Salah, you know, it seemed to me like he was semi-open to the deal, um, not willing to cause trouble and, you know, diminish his legacy. But, you, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Salah was going to go if uh, if Liverpool had accepted an offer or, you know, negotiated terms. Has what's happened this year with the Saudi League changed his mind at all? It doesn't look maybe quite as good a prospect as it did last summer. So that remains to be seen. Um, there's also, I guess, when you, when you think about the likes of Salah, and a new manager coming in. Maybe there is a feel of like they'll have to put their own stamp on it anyway. If you can bring in an influx of a hundred million to to help them on the kind of rebuild, because um, you know we're we're not always the flushest club. We don't just throw money at it. Yeah, new manager. You, you know, it's like you said. You know, if they come in and they want to play three centre backs and we're short there, but they also think we don't have a guy. You know, whatever a ten and an out and out ten. Um, they might want to bring a couple of big names in, you know, to kind of match up to to their style and start off the way they mean to continue, kind of thing. So, 
the, it, it deepens the argument almost, you know, that Klopp's going. It's not just a simple, well, we know Klopp loves Salah, loves the way he plays. He, you know, he fits them all perfectly. Resign him. Maybe it complicates that one a little bit. I think we've got to the stage with Salah where as much as we all love him and I'm totally on board with him staying, I want him to stay, I would choose that option, you know, given it. I don't think it's a disaster if we lose him this time. I think, you know, he is slightly losing pace and his effectiveness in general play, not his effectiveness in goals and assists, obviously. I mean, that the numbers speak for themselves. Um so I think on that one, we just, we, you know, it's a play it by ear one. It's not a disaster either way. I For me, the big one is Trent. I think that's the one where I still want to see us building a team kind of around Trent to a degree. Um, I would hate to see Trent go, really would. I think maybe he's going to be the face of the new Liverpool to a degree. You know, he's... He's kind of coming of age in, in those terms right at the right time, you know, assistant uh, captain, basically vice captain. Mm. Uh, just could be the right time for him to puff his chest out a little and claim it, you know, become the new the new main man at Liverpool and be the image of, of the new manager. Um, I, you know, there was rumours with Real Madrid in the summer, a little bit of, you know, his mate Bellingham and this sort of stuff. I really would love to see us put that to bed and get him on the longest terms possible and, uh, you know, effectively pay him what he deserves. He's he's a unique talent. He's There's nobody quite like that in the world. And the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona and all these huge clubs would kill for a Trent in their side. Make no mistake about that. Uh, so I'd love to see that one put to bed. And Virgil, I'm hoping the fact that he's captain, you know, that he's kind of taken on that responsibility a little heavier, will just lean him the way of, you know, I'm a bit of a custodian here and I'm I'm willing to give my final years here. I'm willing to go the, the, the distance with Liverpool and be, you know, kind of help us into the next the next part of whatever this is going to be. I'll be, I'll be that for the new manager and I'll be that for the fans and, you know, we'll we'll finish this journey together. Yeah, it, it is an interesting one. I mean, there is a possibility. We haven't even really counted this. The, the new manager, I mean, you think Klopp, Hendo for 99% of it, Virgil at the end. The new manager, as you said, James, if it's a three-year project and beyond, you never know what will happen in football, but would even have to look at who is the next captain after... Virgil, so won't he depend on how his yeah. legs go? Does he sign and all those types of things? So there's many things into the mix, but I'm kind of similar to, to you guys in element of Virgil, I want to get that done because he's just been unbelievable this season. Even at the, you know, the, I still think the best centre-back in the world by far, really do. So I want to get that done. I think that if you get that done as well, it brings a real solidity. Trent is the obvious one because what he stands for in terms of the scouser in the team, I know Curtis Jones, but where he is in world football, how he's recognised. If you get those two done, I think it puts a marker down that Liverpool are still here to stay at the top table. Salah, same as you, Mark. I don't want to lose for one second. I want him to renew. But if he does go, I think there'll be the element of, this is horrendous to say this, isn't it? If Salah and Klopp went in the same sort of season, that type of thing, it's just absolutely horrendous in one way. But I think we'd have our peace with it in terms of, it didn't happen last... We, we almost braced ourselves, didn't we, after the summer that it may come. So we don't want it to happen, not for one second, but with his age and everything, it, it, I'd understand it. Yeah, it's... Ladies and gents, Christ, if you've stayed with us to the end, well done. I know that sounds like pretty much the end of Harry Potter, doesn't it? I think, in all honesty. But if you have fair play to your type of thing, 
From one and a half handsome bastards who hopefully made your weekend a little bit cheerier. From me, James and Mark, that was a red alert special for January part one. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.